You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Good evening, everyone. This is the Fours Hardcore Sports Talk, and I am Bernard Hall. We are excited on this wonderful Monday, 7 o'clock. We are live. We are excited, and we have a wonderful host for you today. It's beautiful out. Welcome, Detroit. Welcome to all sports fans and everyone who has questions and other endeavors. We are going to be happy with this telecast, and we're excited, and we will be taking questions. We'll give the number out as we go, and we have my co-host here, Ronnie Jones. Ron Taylor. Ron Taylor. Taylor, I'm sorry. And uh, we have a very, very special guest here, and I am super excited. The knowledge that this guy is about to put down, everybody stay tuned for this. This is going to be very, very heavy. Our, our guest today is the great, mighty Mike Marshall from Southwestern High School. He's a first-team All-American. Uh, as me being a quarterback myself, Bernard Hall, I would say he's probably the greatest quarterback that I've ever seen come out of the Detroit city, state of Michigan, that uh, ever came out. Uh, gr- I mean, just great uh, at all aspects of the game and was was well before his time. Uh, won city championships, uh, state regional with Southwestern High School in 1976, uh, went on to play at Michigan State through from 1976 to 1981. He has a championship there, a Big Ten. He played at Michigan State while the great Kirk Gibson and Magic Johnson was there. And our own great Kelser, who's a, also a Henry Ford alumni of mine. He's an alumni brother. Go Brown and go. Uh, <laughs> Mike Marshall's accomplishments just as a coach and just doing mission work with the kids is insurmountable. And the information that he's going to give today is the reason why I invited him. Uh, we've sat down on a lot of occasions, and he helped me as a young lad. I didn't even know Mike Marshall, and we were out in the street playing touch football with sideline tackle. And a friend of mine from elementary school, we had and didn't have enough people, so he was our artificial quarterback on both sides. And, man, he was throwing the ball left-handed and right-handed, and I was like, wow. So he kind of took to me and took me in and because uh, he saw a little bit of talent in me. He didn't know me either, but we lived in the same neighborhood and didn't even know it. And uh, he ended up taking me in, and he gave me one of his original Michigan State jerseys, a number two white jersey, and I still have it now. And everybody always wondered, how did you get that jersey when I would wear it to practice every now and then? It's probably worth a lot of money, but uh, I got it. But anyway, uh, Mike accomplishments uh, just starts. He was a little league coach for the Northwest Wolverines and uh, won a championship there with the little league guys. Mike Marshall went on to coach high school at Henry Ford. He ran several championships throughout the 90s. He he all but made Henry Ford almost unbeatable after we started to reign in the 80s and uh, continued on. 
He uh, also left Henry Ford, and he won a championship with the arena team, the Port Huron uh, Fire, the Port Huron Fire. He won a championship with them. And and just continue on, and I invited him today because he's also a pro football player. He <laughs> played for the St. Louis Cardinals. So his experience is just – uh, just just off the charts, and I'm excited to have him here. And I'm not gonna continue to, you know, blow the horn. I'm gonna get to our form and let him speak. But I just have to say one more thing: just one of the most brilliant minds of uh, offense and just football, making it super simple as a whole, and just uh, developing quarterbacks and receivers and defensive backs. Just his forte. So I would listen in on this. The first thing we're going to cover, and I'm going to go ahead and introduce him. Uh, the first thing that we're going to cover is the difference today from back then starting up in kids and then with high school kids, where they have to be mindset to go to the next level and the difference between all of the parents paying all this money for your kids to be going to camps and all of these different tryouts and these different workouts and they're never going to develop or they're just not that good. It's one thing if you want them in there to get the camaraderie of it all. And then it's another thing if they have the opportunity, but it's not all on the coach. It's on the player and it's also on the parents. Everybody got to have their arm around them. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce them. The mighty Mike Marshall, Thanks for being here, Mike, and uh, start us out. Impressive resume. Impressive <laughs> resume. Go ahead, Mike. Well, Welcome, thanks for Mike. Giving me this opportunity. Uh, I guess first thing you want to know what's the difference between the, the kids coming out. I guess back in the eighties and nineties compared to the kids coming out now. I think back in the eighties and nineties, the way the recruiting the recruiting game unchanged. See, back then we had no, you know, everything. You didn't have to invest all this money in all these camps and stuff. Right. I think uh, back then what it was, Division Two, no, Division One, had to rely on films for your talent. You know, they had to drive down here. Mm-hmm. See you play, look at film, judge you from the film, and then decide they're gonna give you a scholarship through the film or, or whatever. But they didn't get a chance to see you work out, lift, or nothing like that. So they don't really all they know is you can, you know, play on the field, which the bottom line, that's all they count, what you can do on the field. Right. Division two, you could come in there, I mean they could you you had to work out, they can bring you in, work you out. So they kind of could find out if you're legit, how strong you are, how fast you are, make you run a 40-yard dash, which to me didn't make no sense because when they came in, they came in about two months after football season. Most of the guys haven't ran and did too much nothing for two months. Now you want them to come in there and run a good time, which was impossible. They wasn't going to run a good time. But I always said, now I said Division One going to figure out a way where they can do that type of stuff because they, they couldn't do it. So what they did, I think, Division One, they got a thing now where they want you to go to a one-day camp. See, now they bring you in that one-day camp. It's a camp and not a workout because they it was against the rules for Division One to work you out. Now they're going to work you out 
but it's a camp. Not only are they going to work you out, you got to pay to mm. go to that. Mm. So now back when I was coaching it at Ford, that was about eight, nine years ago, it was $45. So I don't know what it is now. Now you're figuring that's just one school. Now if you got 10, 15 schools that have interest in you and all 15 of them going to bring you up there and make you work out for $45. Now, now remember now, you're going to, if you're going to got to go all the way to Lansing, right. uh, all the way to Minnesota, whatever you're going to work out. So that's money coming out of your pocket. Right. See, then when you get there, there's a route they can't feed you. So mm. They can't feed. They can't do, invest no money in you. So you're spending all that money. Right? <laughs> then when you get back, you got all these little camps going on, sound mind, sound body, right. uh, rising star, and all this type of stuff. And basically, they telling them, hey, if you don't, we got all these scouts here. If you don't come to this camp, they're not going to recruit you. Or you won't be ranked. Or you won't be ranked. (laughs) You know, and they come out with their own little books and all that type of stuff. And you're not in there. Your name ain't in there. Then put somebody in front of you. So you end up paying that money. That could be $200 for that camp. Then you got to go to another camp. Then Wayne State wants you at this camp. Right. And then Central Michigan coming down here doing a camp over here. At the end of the day, you might be spending two, $3,000 out of your pocket just for that summer. I had a kid when I was at Seahome. The father, he was a defensive back, white kid, mm-hmm. tough kid, could tackle, uh, but couldn't cover nobody. So his father wanted me to teach him how to cover. I said, oh, well, you know, he's kind of stiff. It's going to be hard. He has no hips, right? Right. I said, but I know what I can do because he's strong in the leg. He's strong upper body. I said, I'm going to teach you how to play uh, press coverage, oh, okay. right? And what you do, you ain't going to let nobody get off the line of scrimmage because he was tough. Right. And so I taught, taught him that real good. So he was killing people. So. <laughs> That's right. So what, they, so what they did, they said, well, we want to see you back, Bill. So I couldn't teach him. The stuff you really have to be to be a corner with the hips and all that type of stuff. Right. Flexibility and all that. So smart kid. So I taught him, you know, how to play the mind game as a defensive back and stuff. You know, you had to think, you know, okay, what you, you had to guess. You had to take chances. You had to guess routes and all that type of stuff. You have to know by alignment where you line up at. You got to watch guys. You know this guy done ran two or three deep routes in these lines and stuff. He's going to run another deep route. Mm-hmm. So, you know, That's right. You, know, you just open your hips and run with them. You're athletic mm-hmm. enough to make plays on them. So I told him all that, and he got pretty good at it. And evidently it worked because he ended up getting the scholarship to University of Chicago. Now, most black kids will say, damn, University of Chicago, man, I don't know how to, they, no, first thing they're going to say is that D1. Right, no, exactly. No, it ain't D1. Right. But what you don't realize, University of Chicago, they call that the baby Princeton, the baby It's Yale. a very formidable school. Mm, yeah. They're very proud. And not to cut Mike off to let everybody understand, I'm glad he made that point about everybody wants to be D1. Right. If you are going to be D1, there is a formula. You have to be D1 as a person because you have to be a better person now three times more than you did back in the 80s and the 90s because you there is no chances. If there's any crimp or mess up or anything, you threw. So you got to be D1 as a person. You got to be D1 in the classroom, D1 in the weight room, D1 on the playing field if you want to be D1. 
and I left this out. There's one more accomplishment. Mike Marshall is the head coach, uh, offensive coordinator for the the Detroit Ravens, and they are two-time national champions. They on a 25-game winning streak, and they're from Detroit. He has done all this mission work here in Detroit, so he knows what he's talking about. That's why I brought him in. And he showed me some things coming up in high school. I was throwing the the three- or five-step out route to my left, and I was just out there dropping back, throwing at him, and it was mostly it had a very strong arm. But Mike said, just open up once you get back and let it go. Once I done that, I was off and running. I wish my coach would have let him take over the reins as the offensive coordinator. We had every talent that it was, and we probably would have scored 100 points a game. Real talk and serious. And just on the – just in a special teams game, if he would have let him even do that, I was, I know I let the PSL and kickoff returning and punt returning. People don't understand. Mike averaged 50 yards a punt in high school. I averaged 40 at the time and I kickoff returned and punt return. But we're going to continue on and let Mike go through this scenario and let you know what we're working with because we want all of our parents to know. When you go to Texas and you go to California and you go to these different places, in Florida, if our kid ain't no A1, we can't compete with these kids. Our kids can't compete because we don't have all around. But the people who are making it all around, they're forcing us to pay our kids and people when that's just a way of life out there in Dallas and in Florida and in California. So we're going to continue on with Mike. Continue on with your point, Mike. Thank you. Okay. Uh, the other thing, be a D1 ball player, you got to have a D1 body. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Most of all. Yes. You see, because I had a, to tell, tell you a story. I had a, when I was at Seahawk, uh, there was a kid. He was a white kid. Uh, he was a defensive end. He was about 6'4". He, he told us 230, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Central Michigan offered him and all that, but he wanted to go to a bigger school. Right? So his father came to me and asked me, could I get him in, you know, could I get him to a bigger school? And I said, well, you know, he's kind of, you know, he, he's kind of narrowing them hips to be a defensive end. He said, well, I'll pay you. I said, okay, I'll go to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay, I know what I I knew what I was dealing with, you know, undersides, tough, tough ball player, but you know, undersides. So I called around, uh, you know, some coaches I knew, sent them the film. Of course, they love the film of the kid, but the first thing they go ask, how big is the kid? All right. And I said, well, you know, you always can, you know, stretch ten. 15 pounds on film and stuff, but eventually when they bring him in for a visit, and Minnesota was one of the schools that brought him in to uh, visit. A friend of mine's coach, not then coach with me, but uh, he was on the dream team with me back in 76 was Keith Gilmore. Mm -hmm. Gilmore was at, I think, was uh, 
No, it wasn't Minnesota. It was Illinois. He was in Illinois. So he said, we'll bring him in for a visit. So I said, you know, that's the start. So he brought him in, looked at him and stuff. He said, hey, he called me back and said, hey, this guy, every bit of 217. <laughs> <laughs> I said, 217. <laughs> he told me it was 230 because, see, 230, you figure you can have 50 pounds. And, and he said in the Big Ten, that's too light. You know, right, they, right. they pound in the Big Ten. Oh, absolutely. Pound lineman. Oh, yeah. He wouldn't have a chance playing. Uh, the, the thing about recruiting, and a lot of people don't do it good, but recruiting is work. I mean, it's hard work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it ain't physically, so I mean, it, it's just mental, mm-hmm. right? a, a tedious type of, of Very thing. mental. And right. you got to be able to take no, 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 and, you know, eventually you keep going at it. Somebody, you know, it's going to catch somebody, might catch, if he can play. All right. It's hard when you're trying to fool somebody and he can't play, but if he can play, but he's on the side, you know, you keep trying. They might not go where they want to go, but there's somebody, somebody out there to take them. But anyway, with him, he was down. So he said, there's no way they, you know, they can offer, offer the kids. So I said, okay. So I said, okay. My next shot was down in Kansas. No. Well, I said, let me get them in the big eight. Because the Big Eight is a different type of league. They don't play smash mouth football. They look for smaller ends to come off the edge. They throw the ball 40, 50, 60 times. So they're looking for more, you know, small like rushing. So I called down there. I think Reggie Mitchell was down there. And, uh, he, at, at that time, uh, then what was the quarterback, uh, that the coach was the guy that coached over at Notre Dame? Uh, Charlie Weiss. Charlie, Charlie Weiss. Weiss. Yep, Charlie Weiss. And, and yes. Campbell was his defensive coordinator. Yeah, Dave Campbell. He, he was with the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Super Bowl. So he brown him. So he said, "Yeah, well, fly him down there. We'd like to get him, take a look and all that." Went down there. They weighed him. He what two seventeen, two twenty, somewhere up in there. And see, Campbell said he reminded him of another guy uh, that they used to have. That played the guy that played with the Miami Dolphins that came off the edge. I forgot his name, but he said he kind of reminded him, you know, of him. So the and then, you know, their league was them. Campbell liked him, Charlie Wise liked him, and he called and Reggie told me they offered the guy and stuff. I said, "Wow, wow, they offered him even at two, you know." But the thing is, it was easy for me because. When they looked at the grades, 3.8. When they looked at the transcript, you know, the, the, yep. the ACT score, you know, yeah. 28, you know. Yeah. And Henry Ford, I'm, I mean, I'm dealing with, you know, hiding the transcript until they get the grades up. Right. You know, counselor's not in. I don't want them to look at the score until you get the grade up. Or, you know, they around that 16, 17, right. uh, 18. <sighs> And maybe even down to 14, 15, you know, with them. And it's hard to pull it off with that type of, uh, you know, with them type of, uh, grades and stuff. But when your grades and everything is, is right, then the other part becomes a little bit easier. So yeah. it's real tough when you got to do the grade part and you undersize and all the other things dealing with a lot of these players. But he did get the scholarship. He did go to Illinois. Uh, he stuck around for two years and found out it was a little too tough for him. He ended up leaving there, and he ended up going to Michigan State. Yeah, he ended up going to Michigan State, but hell, he's a lawyer now. Hmm. And that's the and and 
And not to cut Mike off, but that's the type of situations you want to work with. And that's what our point is and what Mike's point is, what he's making, that when you're working with kids from those type of schools, not only are they in tuned in with sports, they're in tuned in. They already got their plan for what they want to be, whether they want to be a lawyer or a dentist or a judge or they want to be an IT person or they want to be a design or they want to be, you know, in a different graphic design or architect or CSI Miami forensic science. All of those jobs, people don't realize that you make the same money like you in the NFL or the NBA or playing baseball. The, the the money is insurmountable that you can make. The sky is the limit. So that's the difference in having a plan and having your parents' arm around you. I've had an opportunity to see the situation, and it's just, wow, it just shook me because I saw the kids. Not only was the mother and father was there, the brother, the sister, the auntie, the uncle, the grandparents, the great-grandparents, Everybody was there at the game, but that's the difference in the city than then in the suburb or going to a Birmingham Groves or a Wayne Memorial or schools like that or or a uh, country day because they have all of their games in the evening or at night where you can come home and have dinner as a family mm-hmm. and then everybody can go to the game. In the PSL, it's so crazy and no one wants to put the security or whatever they want to have the games right after school and parents, 3.30, 4 o'clock, and People parents still at, work. still at work, and they got to work so they can pay their house notes all and right. all this insurance and everything that's going on. So you're talking about a whole different mindset. I seen a kid playing over at Country Day, and I talked to the father, and he saw me and knew I played ball, and we just got in the conversation, and he said to me, he said, Bernard, boy, I sure do appreciate it, and I've listened to you talk to people, and uh, and I appreciate you talking to my, to the kids and to my son and, and encouraging him. And he said, I go do a little bit of extra on the side, but I know he's not going to college to play uh college basketball or or he ain't going to play college football. This is for the camaraderie and for him to deal with all different type of people and cultures. He said, but he is all set. He's going to the best business school in Boston. I forget the name of it right now. I apologize, but it is the, the school, the business school that he goes to in Boston is very, very monumental. And when he get out of there, He's going to take over the family business or he's going to have his own business and write his own ticket. And you're talking about the opportunities that they got to have is just monumental and all it's already set up for them. All they have to do is go to school and take care of business where a kid from the PSL of the city who's not a middle-class family, you got to go and work hard. You got to go and make sure you got your grades tight. You got to be a better person three times because you're not going to get the same look or you're not going to get the same uh just the possibility or the, uh, or to look over some things as they would from kids that go to a Novi High School or Wayne Memorial or, or Birmingham Groves or a Country Day and schools like that. Some of them, it's not even a fair comparison, I would say. But uh just wanted to say that. This is the Forest Hardcore Sports Talk Show. I think this is a great show in a great form. Uh, we are going to have some phone calls here pretty soon. We're just we're just getting deep in, and you know, wanted to get Mike a uh, break on talking, but he's going to continue on and 
give us another scenario, and I'm going to pass it over here to my to my uh, co-host. RJ. Why you keep calling me if Ron Taylor? Man? I mean, Ron Taylor. Why, why I'm just keep, I, I'm keeping him. I'm keeping him on Ron his feet. I don't know why he Ron, but and he my first cousin. That's terrible. Okay, listen, but anyway, I think, I, I think I think that a lot of parents need to uh, just um, you know be real with yourself. You're out there. You're watching these kids play, and you know whether your child is a D1 player or a D2 player. You just have to be honest with yourself. Don't let your child live. Don't live your dreams through your child. You know, and just uh, don't be afraid to don't be afraid to go to a smaller school because a lot of kids always end up say if you get a scholarship from a Big Ten school, you know what I'm saying. It's easier for you to go to a, a smaller school and be seen because if you go to a big school, all you're going to do is just be on the bench. A scout is not going to see anybody that's on the bench. You know what I'm saying? So don't be afraid to take your kid to a smaller school if it's for the camaraderie, if they want to play the game, you know, because after a while, if that kid is on the bench and he's not playing and he's, he's, he's doing everything for that scholarship, because once you get to college, your scholarship is like a job. It's, it, you know, it be, it's, it's like a job. So if he's, if he's not playing and he's on that bench, He's going to lose interest. It's not going to be fun anymore. So know your child and know, you know, his abilities. And don't be afraid to just say, okay, hey, listen, let's look at this school right here. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. I tell kids that all the time. And if your kid plays on special teams, you get a lot of kids go to schools. And I watched it. I got uh, the guy given opportunity to go to a university, but you get kids that get at these schools and they four or five deep and you can get lost. Right. But you got to work your way on the field, even if it's the kickoff team, the punt team, the extra point team, whatever it is. Long as you get on film, you got an opportunity. And if you can play, they'll be watching someone else and they'll see you. So. We're going to continue on, and we're going to let go to the next phase of this and let Mike tell us what what's the next phase because he had one kid, and I really want him to tell this little quick story. We're going to keep this one short, where he had at Henry Ford, and he had they were offering him scholarships, and this kid had nothing right, nothing going, and he had to, you know, maneuver around. So we're going to continue on. Carry on, Mike. Oh, first I want to tell you about a, another kid over there at Sea uh, Home. Most of the kids. One day, uh, I think the ACT or SAT test just came in, and uh, I was coaching receivers, quarterbacks, and uh, he was a receiver. He came in, he was like kind of down and stuff. I said, well, what's, what's up? What's wrong? He said, man, I, I can't even talk about it. He said he was so upset. I said, what you upset about? He said, well, <clears throat> I didn't do that good on the test. I said, wow. I said, what you get? He said, man, I'm too embarrassed to tell you. That's coming out there. What you get? And finally, he said, man, I got a 33. <laughs> 33. Almost perfect. Almost perfect, people. <laughs> yeah. That's what a 33 is, almost perfect. Wow. Yeah, 33. I said, what you disappointed about? He said, well, he was kind of disappointed he didn't get a 35. Oh, he my said, God. Then he said, 
I said, well, 33 can get you anyway tonight. That's right. He said, can't get me where I want to go and stuff. And then he started naming all these schools <laughs> off, uh, schools like Washington and St. Louis. You probably never heard of that school. And, uh, so when I got home, I looked it up. First thing came out of there, one of the top five schools in the nation. Um, in America, and then, yeah. And then you start reading, it says that, yeah, they be turning down people to get 35. 35 is not good enough. You got to have 35 and you got to do all this community work and all this other stuff. So yeah. he had another plan. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. he didn't, sports wasn't his plan. He had a, he had a business plan. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you can see all them kids like that, even the ones that got 27, 28. Yeah. They'd be mm-hmm. too embarrassed to even mention it. Oh, yeah. Because see, their parents put all that, we put all that time into camp money. Right. They put all that time into tutoring, right. classes, classes, and, and tests. Uh, places to to help them to get them thirty fives and thirty six and stuff, mm. and uh, they put a lot of and they take pride in that too. Uh, I mean, all of them. It's, it's the same way with that. Lots of family pressure because yeah. they it's set out for them. They got their arm around them, and right. we are not doing this to slack any of the parents or whatever. Because I know some great families, and I know some oh, people who are doing really well in the city. But we want to let. Everybody know what the formula is right. and what it takes to get there. And and it takes well-roundedness and everybody to put their arm around you. Absolutely. And and Mike wasn't slighting sound body and sound mind. I know Curtis no. Blackwell real well. They're doing some wonderful things. Horatia Williams from the Horatia Williams Foundation doing some wonderful things. He's getting ready to have a, a coach's forum for basketball here at the end of this month or the beginning of next month, which Coach Izzo is going to do the forum. So everybody look out for that. The opportunities are there. We are going to be bringing someone forward because of the kids' programs that was there. This program was probably still there back when Mike was in high school, uh, depth set. And they're talking about they're taking the funding away from that. We can't let them do that because all of us came up some through depth set. My little 10-year-old daughter is in depth set right now. You know, young engineers, Mm -hmm. depth set. Uh, Pioneer Girls, all of these wonderful uh, programs programs outside of Girl Scout and Boy Scout and all of that to help kids develop. Here in the city, do you know how many people I knew who parents had vision and they got lucky and got to go to Voltec? I got friends that are chefs that got their own restaurant. I got friends that are in construction. I have two buddies that are about to retire this year. One already retired, and he got his certificate for design and worked for Ford for 30 years and never got a and never got a bachelor's degree. He had the certificate from Voltec out of high school. How wonderful and grateful and God is that? And you got guys that is going on. I got another partner who's in design right now. He making almost two hundred grand. He went on to the University of Phoenix and got his degree. Really good friend of mine. We play golf together. Great guy. But what you put into it is what you get out of it. And we want that to be known. And it's tough because some parents are working. I remember my parents, you know. We better not go to school and be acting up or get kicked out or they have to take a day off of work. You wasn't going to get no whooping. You was going to get a killer. I don't know what the deal is with these kids now. The deal was do what you told. It wasn't no deal. That's what the deal was, do what you told. So we wanted to just put this out here and let it be known that there's people who can help you. There's people that's available. And, you know, 
We know how it's going here in the city with the schools and everything. The pride right now is Renaissance, Cast Tech, and King. Mm-hmm. They're getting 75 to 85 transfers going to them schools. But it is some other schools, East English and yeah. City High School and different schools that are really good schools. We don't want to slight and leave anybody out. But we want all of them because we want to put kids here in this city. We're tired of people coming to town getting our land or getting our prime real estate, opening businesses, and then they have a control interest in Detroit, and they're not even from Detroit. It's nothing wrong with that, but we have people here that are very smart and that's had to leave because no one don't want to give them a a fair opportunity, and they took care of their business. So we're going to continue on. Uh, Our focus is just education. I mean, really education. Yes. And I have nothing against uh, the Rising Star or – uh, sound mind. Matter of fact, I recommend and send some, so many players there. So, you know, they do a good thing. They 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 good at what they do. Right. Absolutely. They uh, prepared. Yeah. Absolutely. Curtis Blackwell. No, I just saw him last week. They're taking the kids on the on the college uh, trips. They were just at Middle Tennessee. They were down in Atlanta. They were down at a University of Tennessee, Tennessee State, all the different schools, and they're doing wonderful things. Uh, Pal is involved. We're gonna have. Probably Robert Jamison or David Greenwood on from PAL. We're going to have them on and we're going to have a forum on that because we want everybody to know. We want everybody involved. We want to know that, want them to know that everybody is going to get involved and we care about Detroit and about our kids. Right. And all, and all the high school coaches in, in the city of Detroit, you guys are doing a wonderful job, you know, just to let you guys know. So. We're not, we're not out here trying to bash anybody. We're just trying to stress to the parents that it takes education. Put your arm around your kid and, uh, you know, just make it a family atmosphere type, type, type of deal. So, yeah. So we're going to move on to the next phase and we're going to let Mike give a little more insight on how some of it just falls back on the coach. Because the coach is everything. The coach is, he's the coach, he's the disciplinarian, he's the psychiatrist, the psychologist. He's the person that, you know, got to come and tell him when the teacher go call. Now they don't call home. They call, if you play sports, they call the coach. Absolutely. Because they feel like you respect him. A coach is like a principal in DPS. Right. That's why they want formidable people to have the jobs. Unfortunately, it's a little haywire right now, but we're hoping it, that it gets back together because people have to retire. They can't stay in forever. Right. I mean, you, you're absolutely right, man. Let a, let a, let a coach tell, let somebody tell the coach that, uh, that, that you, you're not doing what you're supposed to do in the class. And that coach tell them they can't play. Man, they'd be, they'd be sick running around. These kids be sick. Yeah, they're devastated. <laughs> and, and, and our coach always told us, he said, I'm not going to ask you how you coming to practice today. I'm going to let Ron tell Bernard he coming to practice. Or Bernard go tell Mike, go ask Bernard. And then when I tell Mike, you ain't going to tell them no story. You're going to tell them the truth. You might tell me anything. <laughs> so it's all about camaraderie in a team right. and being a team. But you have so many different personalities. It's about understanding that we're a team while here practicing and while we're trying to trying to win. If we're anything more than that after that after that, that's a plus because you get lifelong friends and absolutely and all the levels that I've been to and I'm sure Mike uh, reiterate on it and Ronnie will too because he played baseball. You, know. you still remember high school. You never forget it. No matter oh, what absolutely. level you went to, the times that you had in high school, you never forget the guys. 
Absolutely. So we're going to continue on. Mike, give us some more, man. It's so heavy. Yeah. Uh, we're just so grateful that you're here, man. And I wanted everybody to know the great football mind and just the person that you are and how many people that you've helped from Little League all the way up and mission work and, and kids that went to small schools that's, you know, made it in the NFL and retired and just all type of people that you know and played with as well. He was, uh, like I said, Mike was up at Michigan State with Kirk Gibson for baseball and Magic Johnson was up there with the great Greg Kelser and all of them were there. And Mike was a better than average baseball player. He could have been a pitcher. So we we just so grateful to have him here. Carry on, Mike. Yep. Uh, dealing with uh, most – to get an athlete through, you got to have that – you know, you got to have that family support. Right. But a lot of them don't have it. So as a coach, you got to realize, okay, which guy I got to spend because you – you know, your time is kind of stretched out, especially if you're coaching like Adam Henry Ford. You only got three or four coaches. All right. And I think I counted on uh, Farmington Hill Harrison's uh, program. They had 18 coaches. <laughs> See, we had like mm. three or four coaches. So all your coaches are stretched too. So right. you really got to know, okay, which ones I got to deal with, ones that I need to work with. Okay, first thing you check, see, okay, the family situation. If you got them strong parents – Mm-hmm. At home, father, mother, you said, okay, well, you can teach, you know, kind of like the stuff that they don't know and they'll catch on and they got that good support. I think Johnson Orr and Jeremy Orr was like that, you know, strong parents understood all that type of stuff. Leon Merritt, you know, father strong, knew everything that was going on. But you got other parents that you don't even see, you don't even know. Right. You never seen them and stuff. So they can't make that type of decision, you know. You know, going to a school, you gotta, you gotta sometimes help. You can't send a kid where he's not gonna fit. Right. You already know what that kid is, what he's about. You say, okay, I can't send this kid down to uh, uh, a small town down in Iowa, mm-hmm. and he ain't. He he's been around blacks all his life, so he's gonna have a hard time. You know, making an adjustment to to that right. unless he got a support group down there. Right. Because, see, we had a kid, and I think I was, was that the one I was telling you about, uh, Bernard? Yes. Uh, we had a kid. Everybody in the whole school and everybody said that he wasn't, you know, he was a little rough around the edges and stuff. Oh, yeah, this is him. This is the one I want everybody to hear. He, he was rough around the edges. We got him. He came from a, another school. He had a little, you know, little record and stuff. But he came in. And uh, he was like he was mad at the world, you know. Right. But but he had a smile that a light up a room. So the first thing I taught him was how to take advantage with that smile, you know, especially when the scouts come in, you know, mm-hmm. with the handshake with the big smile. If you shake the guy's hand, the big smile and all that type of stuff, a coach gonna feel comfortable around you right. and stuff. See, because if you come in there looking grimy and stuff, you're gonna think that okay, he's a thug out of the city and right. stuff. So when he feel comfortable, then he's gonna put his hands all on his shoulder. That's his buddy and everything. Then when he goes back, he's gonna say he's a good kid, man. He's a good kid. Right. That's gonna help out on the recruiting process. Well, the one kid we had, real good football player. He had size, everything, tough. So I looked at his transcript 
And by the way, it's not only on the coach for things to work. Everybody got to do their part. You know, everybody, it comes down there where the coach didn't do this, the coach didn't do that, but, you know, counselors got to do their job. Parents got to do their job. Absolutely. You know, everybody got to do their job for it, to, you know, for it to work. So he, his, his grades was a little suspect, you know, going into his uh, senior year when everybody came in to recruit him. So I said, uh, I looked at his transcript. And I said, look, nobody going to recruit you with these grades. I said, you so far behind. I said, now, what really helped was Michigan State really wanted to, uh, you know, they kind of set out a, a format of what he had to do. And what he had to do was almost impossible. But they liked him so much, they still set it out. If he can do this, do this. Uh, we, we offer him and stuff. But before Michigan State even came in the picture, Purdue had came in there, mm-hmm. and it was a guy named Brock Spack. Uh, <laughs> he was a he was the you know he was defensive coordinator, and uh, he recruited the Detroit area. He came in there. He looked at the Trent. I mean, he came in there. He looked at the the film, and he loved him on film. And he asked what kind of grades he got. And I said, well, "It's grades. It's grades, okay." So I guess he took that for saying it was okay. So we offered him right there, and and and, and that's what I kind of needed for him to realize, you know, that you could go places. You can go places, yeah. boy. He just lit up and stuff. I said, "But you can't go nowhere because if he see your transcript, he's not going to offer you." But it was great that Purdue offered him mm-hmm. because Purdue is an academic school, and what happened was after Purdue offered him, everybody else, everybody else came That's in, and nobody is. nobody checked on the transcript. That's how it always is. You see? So he had, and in the long run, he wanted to go to Michigan, but they couldn't do nothing with him because of uh, his situation. His, his situation. Mm. So he had to. So what he had to do was his senior year. He had to take nine classes. All cork type classes. He had to take nine. Not only had to take nine classes, he had to take three night school classes. So twelve. So, I mean, so, so he took twelve classes. Right after he, go, he went one through nine. Right after that, he went right over to Mumford to uh, night to, to school. Three night school class. Now I'm pissed because he's my track guy. He, he's on the track team. He throws the shot. No, he throws discs mm-hmm. on the top display. You know, throwers in the city. I said, look. Take this disc. You're going to work on it when you get at home. I said, now, when city championship time come, I expect you to be here and throw this thing and win it, right? Mm-hmm. So he went through all them classes, got the grades and everything up. And once he got the grades and everything up, then Purdue, Purdue came in and finally saw his transcript. Now, he's actually eligible, <laughs> but he's not eligible for Purdue because their standard was it's so high. high. Yep. Michigan State looked and said, oh, he's perfect he's, for he's us perfect now. perfect for us. Right. So <laughs> State went on, and, uh, went on and signed him. But the good thing was come city, when the city track thing came, he, uh, he came out there after class and threw it one time. And won it and left. <laughs> so can you imagine how everybody that, that was there that had been working all, all year? So no, I want to. I'm gonna tell you the thing. The yeah. guy, the guy that threw the best at that time, he played for me too. Uh-huh. He thought he had the gold medal. He was all set to go get the medal. And then he seen, 
Some guy pull up in the car, came out there, threw one and left. He got the silver medal. He's mad about this. fish grease. Right, right. So this is why I wanted him to tell this story yes. because this is a great story on, oh, on how it goes. And he go finish up here. Then he goes to Michigan. He goes to Michigan State, and I understand that he still got some rough edges and stuff. And I remember he got kicked out of a kicked out of a classroom. The assistant principal called me up there, telling me I come get him. He acting the fool. I said, "What he do?" He said, "Well, he had a football in class, and when the teacher asked for it." He fired she, it in. No, no, she went to reach oh. for it. He just dropped it. You know, oh. One of them numbers and stuff. So he had to suspend them for that. Matter of fact, he suspended them that week, and we played Cody that week and lost to Cody that week. Because he couldn't Cause play. We, we mm. didn't have him. We mm. didn't have him. Right. Mm. I tell people all the time, with him, Cody don't beat us that game. Mm. Stuff. They had a good team that year, but they wouldn't have beat us with him. Right. So, so he goes up to Michigan. I know. He's not, he's gonna have a hard time making an adjustment to the, you know, the environment, the social life and all that up at Michigan State. So I knew, knew he needed a support group. Right. See, a lot of times you just can't send these kids up here and then that's it. Right. So he goes down there. That's where he had myself and another coach here. He knew when he came home on the weekend, whatever he needed, whatever we was there for him. And I had to set up some down there for him. At that time, uh, Louis Sharp's brother, Felix Sharp, was down in Lansing. And uh, so that set up a thing, okay, when you get into the old mood swings and all that type of stuff, just go over there to his house, and then he'll be able to, you know, get you back on course and stuff. And then uh, I think it was Bobby Williams and uh, Reggie, they understood everything about him, so they knew how to deal with him and stuff. Mm-hmm. See? So when he did have a temper tantrum or go through the mood swing, they knew how to handle him and everything. So he ended up played very good up there, and uh, he ended up getting a degree in sociology. Wow. What position did he play? He was a defensive tackle. Mm. And, that, and, and that, those are the stories that we want to hear. I also want to apologize to my – my cousin, my co-host, because I'm really thinking about that. Show you how guy work. I'm thinking about one of my good buddies. He, uh, I heard earlier he got hit by a car, mm. and, and his name is Ryan Jones. And I mistakenly, can I apologize to my cousin for that, Mr. Taylor? But uh, <laughs> that show you how guy he was on my mind while I'm here talking. But uh, just want to correct that. Uh, we have a f- little bit of time to take a few calls. Uh, the number is 248-579-5260. 248-579-5260. And we're going to take a few phone calls and answer some questions for myself, Mike, or my co-host, Ryan Taylor. And we just wanted to get this out here and show the stories and tell the stories and tell the real because uh, me and Mike both, of us both being All-American quarterbacks, and we had the same coach, Coach Joe Hoskins, and, you know, we always live by it. We Hoskins trained, you know. And, uh, you know, we live by that de- determination and desire. Those are part of our uh, eight Ds, and we live by the, the seven, seven or six Ps. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. And uh, we have so many secrets 
where I know Mike been out of school a little longer than me and look younger than both of us. Yeah, he does. And, uh, <laughs> and I've been out 30, 35 years, and I still got friends that's, man, well, yeah, tell, I'll hear from somebody. They won't say nothing to me, but they'll say he didn't throw me the ball or he tried to make me fumble, but they just don't know the secrets <laughs> that coach would tell us. And Mike over here laughing because he, he can attest to it that I know what I'm talking about, whereas guys who, if they, they couldn't do it, you know. We had one guy on our team, and we called him Cuckoo. And Coach got mad one day and said, don't call him Cuckoo no more. He's starting to believe it because every time I tell him to go left, he go right. So don't call him Cuckoo no more. He believe it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, you know, as a coach, you got to have tough skin. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 When, a, when a kid fails, he don't blame it on his parents. He don't blame no. it on the teachers. He don't blame it on his counselors. It's always yep. the coach. The, the coach, coach and the quarterback. The coach didn't do nothing for me. The coach yep. didn't do this. That's no, right. No, no. Or the quarterback. They don't never look at it. Everybody knows when you win, it's the coach and the quarterback. And when you lose, it's the coach and the quarterback. But most of all, if something don't go right, it's most the coach's fault. You know, so Mike is correct. But again, the line is open, 248-579-5260. I wanted to ask you guys a question. I wanted to, we were talking, last week we were talking about the high school list that they made up of the quarterbacks. And the one, the, I had a really big problem state with that. State champ, Mike. Yeah, state mm-hmm. champs. You know, they did a 25, mm-hmm. best quarterbacks in 25. And I had a really, really big problem with it, man, because I'm looking for, you know, J. Rue Campbell to be like three. At least three, Absolutely. two or one. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So I'm looking, man. As soon as the show came on, he popped up at like 22. I'm like, are you kidding me, man? It's you. So it's 21 guys that's better than that's, that's better than him. Yeah. From what he did as a freshman, you know what I'm saying? He won a, a a class A title as a freshman. He broke the record. He threw five touchdown passes. Then, if you thought it was a fluke, he turned around and he did it again as a sophomore. Now, at he as a freshman and a sophomore, he's fourteen years old. He's fourteen and fifteen. Do you gonna tell me it's twenty one guys better than him? I'm like, come on, man. But when I talk about that and I talk about it to people, people be like, well, you know, that's those shows, and they, you know, they always do stuff like that. It, it don't mean nothing. Yes, it does. It does. It does. It does mean something. I'm, I'm like, it does mean something. I'm like, if it didn't mean anything to us, we wouldn't sit around and talk about it. At the barbershops. Yeah, you know what I mean? We have pride, too, in the city. I got one better than that. They had Damon Damon Dowdell. 24. 24. Yeah, let me tell you something about this kid. This kid, when I got him, he was a, he was a junior. Never played quarterback in his life. Hmm. And two years, he was a dream team, first-team dream team. He went to Michigan State and played as a freshman. Mm-hmm. He, he played as a freshman, went to Michigan State. Never went to no camps, no nothing. Wow. See? Just went to raw, State raw talent. And played as a freshman. Mm. So, you know what that means? That means 
I prepared him to play at the next level was right. one thing we did. You know, offense kind of similar to what Michigan State did because I used to always ask him, what's the difference between what I taught you and what Michigan State taught you? He said, absolutely nothing. He said, the difference is it's the terminology. They just use different words for right. for the play and that type of stuff. Yeah. But I thought he should have been a little uh, higher on the list a as little well. Higher. But then I thought again. I said, "Hey, I'm I'm luck. I'm just glad he got on the list." See, and that's the thing, man. I, I, you know, I, I'm like, we have pride too, man. It's like they, they for some reason they don't think the kids in the city can play football. Well, I they mean, don't. They don't give us. Not to cut you off, because they don't give us the. They don't give us the. Uh, sensibility to believe that we're that good they think it's the whole overall team or, or the system or something like that um we can sit here and for what mike marshall done and what i done in high school uh if i'm not mistaken neither one of us are in the high school hall of fame are you mike Neither one of us. How How is that not? And I'm not blowing, tooting my own horn or breaking my hand on my back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you go through a three-year span, undefeated, never lost to a PSL team, win a state regional, and no, there's no call. It's guys that done lesser than that and played on lesser teams than that. Uh, Mike Marshall, for what he done, yeah. you know, opened up the era of the great quarterbacks. It's Probably maybe only two other quarterbacks that could have even compared to him, and they wasn't from our era. And this is me speaking for what I done. So it's you know they, they, things have got to change. Absolutely, things and, have got to change. And that's my that's my that's my point exactly. I said we'll sit around and we'll talk about it amongst ourselves or in the barbershop. So it does bother us. And if you don't ever talk, see they they'll just say here this is the list and this is what it's going to be. This is how we're going to do it. They never say anything. No. Well, if you don't say anything, nothing's never going to change. And that's why we have this forum to talk exactly. about. Exactly. 248-579-5260. And as I talk to them about the Hall of Fame and all that, they said someone has to nominate you. No one's going to make me believe the teammate and the team and how I've met and saw the guys over the years that now one of them that love Mike so much and they know the reason why they were winning that nobody has called and said we nominate Mike Marshall. And you not go believe, make me believe, and all of the people who I know didn't even know me that I ran into and I had to act a certain way because coach told me you the captain and you the quarterback, so you got to back off a lot of things, Bernie. So – that didn't even know me. You even some of them. I'm talking about the worst side of it. I know some of them may have called and said, "Well, why this guy ain't in there?" Mm-hmm. So you know, everybody like I always say, you ain't clean as the hospital on the Cosby Show. But when you just a pretty good guy, you you deserve consideration. That's, you know, and I would say with Jairu Campbell down there, you know, he he deserves consideration. See, everybody listen, ain't perfect. Listen, there's guys on the list that. That he beat head to head. How, how does that happen? Absolutely. And they're and, and they're ahead of him. How, what, I mean, come on, man. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's it's just crazy. <laughs> and you know, we don't have much time left here. Uh, we first want to, you know, again thank Dave for giving us this form and letting us have the the studio to do this with. Absolutely. And we expecting big things to come from this. I know I am. I'm loving this. And I especially want to thank my 
great friend and mentor. He's been so much. We uh, just look at each other and see through each other. I remember from being a little kid, Mike Marshall, you know, we want to thank him for coming in and giving out this. And he's going to be back. We got so many different forums that we're going to touch upon, but we wanted to give everybody some perspective. This gives you the perspective that you need to prepare your kid. And the kids have to understand the work is done. Why you no one is looking. The work is done while no one is looking. And then it becomes easier. And we just wanted to make sure that we uh touch on that and uh A lot. Let me let me say this, uh Nard. Um a lot of people keep asking us how did we come up with the name the fours? Okay, if you see our logo, you see two num you see two jerseys with the number uh fours on them back to back. One is brown and gold and one is red and blue. Well, I and, you, would, and you'll see those now because we have them. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And, and, and I, let me let me say how it started. Well, first of all, Bernard went to uh, Henry Ford. Their colors were brown and uh, brown and gold. I went to Detroit Northern, and our numbers and our colors were uh, red and blue. But how we came up with the name is, and nobody never knew this. Back in the day, uh, my my dad was a huge, huge, huge Tiger, a Detroit Tiger fan. And uh, so I used to sit back and I used to watch the games with him. And I played baseball. I was a heavy. I loved the game of baseball. And I played baseball. So back then, my favorite Tiger was Aurelio Aurelio Rodriguez. Now, I may be going way back a lot of people, but Aurelio Rodriguez was my favorite. So uh, as I played baseball through, uh, uh, I played baseball, um, Little League, middle school and high school and all through that I ha- I had to have the number four so I wore number four and I wore that in high school and the funny thing about it is when I got to high school I didn't play football until I got to high school like my senior year so when it was time for me to get my jersey uh the coach asked me he said well what number do you want I said well I want to wear number four he says well you're a wide receiver son you can't wear uh number four playing wide receiver and I was a starting wide receiver, right? So I said, well, coach, uh, that's the number I've always worn. He said, well, wide receivers wear number 80. And the number's in the 80s. That's back then. So I was like, uh, but coach, am I the starting safety as well? He said, well, yeah, you, you, you starting both ways. I said, well, 80 is going to look crazy, uh, playing safety, right? He just looked at me and he shook my head. He shook his head and he just walked away. So that's how I started wearing the number four in football as well. So I started wearing that. And then we took our photos and I had my, my dad show Bernard's dad, which is my uncle, uh, Lester. He showed Lester my number in my jersey, uh, when, when I was in my uniform. My uncle saw it. He called Bernard in the room and he said, Bernard, come on over, look at Ronnie in his uniform. Bernard liked the way I looked him the number four. Then he took it to Henry Ford, and that's how it got popular at Henry Ford, and that's how we became the fours, the family fours. So that's that's our story. Did you know uh, Ron Banks? Absolutely. He was, he was my baseball coach. Oh, was mm-hmm. he? Yes, absolutely. Can we finish? Yeah. So a lot of history here. Great show, we believe. We want to thank everyone for tuning in. This is the Forest Hardcore Sports Talk, and we'll be back next week. Same bat station, same bat time. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Have a good night, y'all. Have a good night, everybody. Yeah, you know, Ron.